a few weeks ago came out a new book. It's a biography of a Rabbi Grossman. The name of the book, it's called A Living Legend. He's actually a living legend. This man moved to a city, we can compare it to very low, I mean, from a financial standpoint, it was full of crime. And the it was like an inner city in, in the big cities in America, in the north side of Israel, right after Six Day War. And he went there to try to speak, to get kids, to reach out to Jewish kids, to do Chabad work, to do outreach. And the beginning was very hard, impossible. This man at this point, he has institutions, so boys and girls, and campuses all over Migdal Aimek and other places in Israel that as big as the Columbia University. That's how big it is. What he accomplished is really unbelievable. The book about him is an amazing book. Stories upon stories are as close as to a miracle as you can get. It, a few years after he moved there, he became the, the rabbi of the, of the city of Migdal Aimek. And as a rabbi in Israel, you have to give also the kosher um, certification, certificate to different institutions, restaurants, factories, food. He had also, there was a slaughterhouse in Migdala Emek, and he as a rabbi gives them the, the he has to put up a mashgiach, a supervisor to make sure that everything is done in a kosher way. And he signs on it that everything is kosher. and goes on every package, it's his name, Rabbi Grossman, promise you, he takes responsibility that the chicken is kosher. And those, they slaughter thousands of chicken every day. One day the mashgiach calls him, the supervisor, and he tells them we have a problem here. He says, last night I left, there were a few boxes of chickens who were not kosher. You know, the chickens can become not kosher when you slaughter them the wrong way or later when they open the, the chicken itself and they check the inside organs to see if they are healthy, if there is a hole, if there is something else, all, all different, many things that makes the, the chicken not kosher. And he put all this chicken in a different place, in a, in a special room, as another warehouse inside the factory to make sure they don't make, mix it with the kosher chicken. He comes the next morning, there is a few crates who are missing from the non-kosher chicken. A half, of, a half of the amount is gone. He doesn't know where it is. The rider started an investigation. He found out that the owner of the company of the slaughterhouse was there last night after the mashgiach, after the supervisor left. He came, he told the clinic person to take a half of the chicken and mix the non-kosher chicken with the kosher chicken. Rabbi Grossman heard that, he said, that's it. I cannot trust them. It's over, I take off my, my name from the, from, from the from, I, do, I take away my supervision certificate. The kosher certificate is gone. Now in Israel, there's one big wholesaler Tnuva, they buy most of the chickens from every 
from all the slaughter, uh, slaughter uh, houses, and they sell it to all the stores, the big stores, the big chains. He called Nuva and he told them he should know what happened. And I took off my, my uh, supervision and therefore don't buy the chickens, that's not kosher. And in Israel, most of the people want to eat kosher chicken. Tnuva called the guy and I told him that, you know, we got a phone call from your rabbi. We cannot buy from you anymore. He, what this means, what this spells is closing down the factory. If Tnuva is not buying anything, that he has nothing to slaughter for anybody. He called to the minister who was in charge of uh, all the industries. At that time, it was Arik Sharon. He was then the minister for, in charge of this. And he tells Sharon, you should know, if, you cannot, if I cannot get the, the certificate back that it's kosher, many people will lose their jobs. And it's anyway a stricken a city, there is no jobs, there is a jobless city. There is another few, 15, 20, 35 families who are working in this, who are supporting themselves from this factory. Now there is another, another a, a group of people who have, no, who have no jobs. You have to do something about it. Arik Sharon says, I'll try. He calls Rabbi Grossman and he tells him like a rabbi, like Arik Sharon speaks like a rabbi, quotes from the Bible, one person will sin and you, and you will be angry with the whole community. That's what Moses told God. He tells, he tells Rabbi Grossman, one person did something wrong and you're going to punish all the workers and the employees in the factory? Rabbi Grossman was not scared of him. He tells him, listen, this conversation we need to do face to face. That's not on the phone. They met at the minister's office. Grossman had to give him a crash a course in kosher laws. Sharon came from a kibbutz. His background was not, uh, it was not uh, a religious background. He had no idea what it takes to make a, a chicken kosher. He thought it's you, the rabbi blesses it or something like this. He gave him an explanation, what means kosher? What are the problems? How complicated it is? Then he gave him a lecture on this, that people are trusting him. People are keeping kosher, it's their life. And they're trusting the rabbi that they, they, relying on his word and his responsibility that's kosher. And then he turns to Sharon, he tells him, you're a big, you are a big uh, general. Can you imagine you tell one of your officers, you appoint him on a special mission in the enemy land and you give him clear directions, what to do exactly and what the mission is. And he goes and he changes the mission and he endangers all the other soldiers. What do you do? Will you just let go? Sharon was silent. Sharon was in general an amazing listener. He told him, I'm also in the army, in the army of God. And many people, thousands of people trust me that I deliver to their table kosher chickens. I cannot betray them. I cannot take any, any chances. He says, look what happened here. This businessman, this owner of the company is making millions of shekels every day. It's a big factory. But instead of seeing the big picture, he got involved, he saw a few crates of 
non-kosher chicken is going to lose, he mixed them with it, knowing that one, one day, one way or another, we'll figure this out. That is way of thinking, that is judgment, something is wrong with his judgment. And how could I trust him for, for, for the next day? The guy doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't think straight. I cannot trust him. As long as he owns the company, I cannot trust him. Because no matter how many supervisors you have, you need to be able to trust the owner, the boss. Because it's after all a matter of trust. If you cannot trust him, there is nothing to talk about. Sharon heard and he understood that the rabbi is right. He called back the owner and he told him, listen, there is no other way about that. You left to sell the company. Took a while, he sold the company. And when the new owner came, the rabbi put back his, his uh, kosher certificate. This week we read in the parsha about the loss of koshers, of kosher. What animals are kosher, what not. Then animals, what are the kosher signs for, for animal? Should the cordon spread off? What are the kosher signs for a fish? Fins and scales. What are the kosher signs for a bird? The Torah doesn't give us kosher signs for a bird. The Torah instead gives us a list of all the non-kosher birds we cannot eat. Yeah, the rabbis that are saying the Talmud, that any, any bird that, that attacks other animals, we don't eat. But in the Torah, it's a list of the non-kosher birds and anything else you can eat. But because we don't have exactly the names, the, the biblical names, if they are, if they are the, the names where, where we use today, therefore, therefore we, don't, we don't know. We, we, the only chicken that we eat, the only birds that we eat are birds that we eat for, we have a tradition for generations that our parents and grandparents and great-parents eat from the same type of uh, bird. That's the only bird we have. Anything new that comes, we, don't, we, we are afraid to touch because we don't know if it's, a, if it's actually kosher. Maybe it's, maybe it's one of these who belong to the other section, to the non-kosher section list that the Torah is right. But in this non-kosher list, there is a bunch of names. Then beside the, 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 the names that the Torah gives to these birds, they, have, they, they tell something about this bird, not just a name, just it's not, not like in any other language we decide that this will call this and a, star, a, stock, a stock will be a stock and, and an ostrich will be an ostrich. Every name has a meaning in Hebrew. Then the Talmud tells us, I want to show with you three names of three different birds that the, the name in Hebrew tells us something about this bird. One bird is called Racham. The Torah says, Eta Racham. The Racham also, this kind of bird you cannot eat. Racham comes in the world, Rachmones. Why should a bird who is not kosher, means it attacks, attacks other, other eat, eating fish or, or uh, other birds or other animals? Why should it, call, why should it be called Rachmones? The Talmud says something very interesting. When this bird arrives, we know in the, in the fall, we know that rain is coming. It's like, you know, the bird, they can tell you in advance, they sense before human when the rain is coming closer. It's probably a bird that travels, whether they run away from the rain or whatever, 
or this is a sign when you see these birds, you know, before long it's going to be rain. Then in, 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 in Israel, in the Middle East, even in Texas, in California, and in Florida, the droughts, the summer is so dry that when it comes rain in Israel, especially in the, in the Middle East, especially, people, the land is so desperate for rain that when you see this bird, you know Rachmones is coming to you, towards you. God will have mercy on us, it will bring rain. That's why it's called Racham. The second bird, it's called in English a stock, is the, it's called in Hebrew Hasida. What's Hasida? Because of the word Hasid, right? What the, what the root, the shoresh of the word Hasid? Chesed. Chesed means kindness. Why is the bird called kindness? Then the Talmud says, because this bird is sharing your food with other birds, with your birds, with your, with your, with your, with your, with, your, with, your, uh, with the same birds I care, with your colleagues, if you want. That's a good bird. Shows uh, usually, usually animals. It's not, it's not so easy to share. Human beings have to be trained to share. Animals don't share so fast, and even human beings don't train to share so fast. Then the question is, the Hasidic commentators are asking, if it's a Hasid bird, a Hasidah, why is she not kosher? Because she shares the food with her friends only, with her colleagues, but she attacks other birds. When you share your food only with your friend, you're not really a real Hasid. You're maybe a Hasidah, but not a Hasid. It's nice that you share, but shruk, Kindness is when you share with everybody else, with people that you don't know, with animals that you don't know, with people that you have no relationship. You care for them too, not just for yourself, not just for, you, for your type, for your kind, for your group, for your community. It has to be bigger than that. And the last one is the shalach. Shalach is a type of a bird, kamrent, something like this in English, kamrent, I think that's the name for it. This bird is, the way he survives, he, he delves into the water and he finds fish and eats them. He catches fish and eats them. That Rabbi Yochanan, whenever he used to see a bird like this, this type of bird, this shalach, going down to the border and picking him up, picking up fish, he used to say, we see how God runs the world. Some fish escape this bird. Some fish don't escape this bird. Then he said, every bird, everything is orchestrated by God. Judaism believes in the divine providence. Divine providence means that God is, everything that happens to a person is in the end of God. Even this, that somebody interrupted my, uh, this conversation is, is the will of God. Then, uh, then the same thing, then many people know and believe that everything that happens to a human being is the will, is the will, is God, divine providence, and every detail. But Hasidus teaches us it's not only about human beings, it's also about animals, it's also about fish, it's also about birds, it's also about trees. A leaf that goes from one side to another is by the will of God. Then this shalach is really teaching us, he's called shalach because he's pulling out, sholem in ayam, he's pulling out the fish from the sea. And if the, if the fish had to end his life, this bird comes 
and he picks him up. And if he's not, he survives it. Everything is orchestrated by God. Really, life, the world is compared to a storming sea. Our physical world. When you look above the water, you don't see what's going on. You don't see God. You think it's just nature. Things are happening. But when you go underneath the water, when you look at the, a little deep, when you dig a little deeper, you see the end of God in everything. And that's what the Shalach is teaching us. It's oh, when you look a little deeper, you see the divine providence from God. And that's what we have to learn that whatever happens to us, whatever works out or doesn't work out, it was the will of God. Thank you.